This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So first of all, it's interesting that um, last week when I gave this shir, I told you that I'm going to come and talk about how the earth spins um, around, the, around the sun and that it's spinning at a crazy velocity, crazy speed, and we're not spinning. We're not dizzy. So Friday, Shabbos morning, I woke up with something called vertigo. Vertigo is uh, something in, the, in your middle ear, and it's messed up, and everything in the room was spinning. So I tried to get out of the bed, and the whole room was spinning, and I've been out, totally out, till tonight, till today, actually. So I want to thank Hashem that, thank you. Oh, oh thank you. Home remedies for vertigo. Shkoya, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, okay, excellent. So, so it's, it's, it's crazy. You, 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 you can't stand up, you can't lay down, you can't, the whole room is spinning all the time. So, Hashem, I'm here tonight, you see I'm a little bit to, to the right side of my head. Um, but it's interesting, I, um, I used to get very sick on Yom Kippur. I always went there to show Yom Kippur, and I used to get very, very sick on Yom Kippur. Every Yom Kippur I got very, very sick, threw up. Didn't think I'd make it to the end of the Kipper. Then one year, Peninim, I'm going back probably about nine years ago, the the seminary Peninim called me, Erev Yom Kippur, and said, whatever, they want me to come talk to the girls in Matzah Yom Kippur. Because everyone after Yom Kippur, they, all the girls usually, but they wanted a special class Matzah Yom Kippur. So I said, okay, before I catch the plane, Matzah Yom Kippur, back to America, I'll give a share. That was the first Yom Kippur that I didn't get sick. So I was like, Wow. So I said, you know what, from that one, I'll give a share in Pneedim every Matzah Yom Kippur. So it's nine years that I'm giving a share in Matzah Yom Kippur and Pneedim, and I have not been sick in the last nine years. So when I give the share, I tell the girls, you think I'm doing you a favor, you're doing me a favor. So I was a whole week saying, like, Hashem, i got to give a share Wednesday night. I can't give a share with vertigo. You can't, you can't stand straight. So i got to get better. So I want to thank everyone for coming to the share tonight, because if you didn't come to the share and I didn't come to the share, then I probably would still be spinning. So, just like Matzim Kippur, so Baruch Hashem, I'm not spinning yet. I hope I won't be. Um, and uh, let's let's learn a little bit about. So, I was going to talk about spinning. I told you last week. I opened my mouth. I was going to talk about spinning and not getting dizzy. Well, we had a little spinning. But anyway, I, I had this with a bunch of atheist kids that that I deal with, whatever. And I was telling them that you know the Earth is spinning on its axis, and I, I really wanted to prepare for tonight's share, but I didn't have time to find out from Google to ask someone to Google. Don't Google it. Um, how how fast, what's the velocity that the Earth spins around the Sun. Um, but the Earth is is in the middle of the galaxy and there's nothing holding it. If you, if you look at a picture of the Earth from the, from, uh, from the Moon or from a space station, so the Earth is this planet and there's no strings underneath. It's not resting on anything and there's no strings from above. So what keeps the Earth where it is? from falling, like, through space. Because it's spinning at a very high speed. So I asked the atheist kids, who who started the spinning? Who spun the earth? If I have a ball and it's spinning on the table, and I'm telling you, you know, this ball is amazing. It, it spins by itself. You don't have to spin it. It just wakes up one morning and spins. You'd say, Rebbe, you you got to stop drinking, Rebbe Wallstein. You're drinking a little bit too much. Of course, a ball doesn't spin on its own. That's a ball. On a table. I'm talking about Earth. I'm talking about a planet. So I said, whether you believe in evolution, whatever you want to say you believe in, who spun the Earth? Who started it spinning? So there must be a God. 
Right? Okay. So anyway, that's one of my proofs of uh, of Hashem. But anyway, let's go into uh, let's go into Pasha Noah for a moment. And the three children of Noah that came out of the table were Shem Chom and Yafes. And Vayochel Noach Isha Adam Karem. We spoke about it last week. He planted a vineyard. Vayeshman Hayayin, and he drank from the wine. Vayiskar, he became drunk. Vayiskal Aloi, and he was walking around in his tent, or he was in his tent undressed, totally undressed. Okay, because he was drunk, so he didn't know he was undressed. He got undressed, and he stayed undressed. He didn't realize that. Chum walked into the room, so that is not wearing any clothing. He ran away. Instead of dressing his father and covering him, he ran outside to tell his brothers, check it out. Come inside the tent. Dad is not wearing any clothing. He ran out to make fun of his father. Thank God they didn't have smartphones in those days, right? So he it was a big avera. What are you doing? What are you doing? You want you want your brothers to see your father's your father undressed? What are you doing? You should you're you're you're, you're a Russia. You should have covered him up, but that's not what he did. But the two brothers, they were like very different than Ham. The Yikach Shem Yafes, Shem and Yafes took as Hasimla clothing or a blanket. and they put it on their shoulders, Shnehem on their two shoulders. And they walked in backwards. And they covered their fathers not being dressed. That's where the Pasuk should have stopped. But the Pasuk doesn't stop there. Pasuk says, Their faces, their faces, not their heads, their faces were backwards. And they didn't see their father undressed. So why do they have to repeat it? It says that that they went in backwards. They went in backwards. So why do they have to say, if they went in backwards, their faces were backwards. They went in backwards. If you back in somewhere, your face is backwards. So why does the Pasuk have to say that? So, Rav Yelimelech Biederman from Eretz Yisrael, who says a lot of beautiful Torah, says, let's go to where it is, from the Alshech. The Alshech HaKadosh says that, why did they have to do all this? Why don't they just close their eyes? We have to go backwards. Just walk in, close your eyes, put it down. Right? Or, if you're walking backwards, so why don't you just close your eyes? Why do you, why, why do you have to go through this whole thing? So the Alshech HaKadosh says something unbelievable. The Alshech says that even to face an erva, Creates a begam, a blemish of the soul. That, that if your eyes are closed, and, and I spoke a little bit about it this morning in seminary, some, some people, you know, I talk to girls about whatever I want, and, and some girls watch movies, and they're like, don't worry, Red Wallstein, when something not nice comes on the screen, I close my eyes. I'm like, that's not an answer, because how do you know when something nice is going to come onto the screen? But we see from the Al Shekhar that closing your eyes is not enough. That if you face something that you shouldn't see and your eyes are closed, it still has an effect on you. So they have to turn their backs, turn their heads, so that even if their eyes would have been closed, they would have faced their father who wasn't dressed, that would have, been, that would have had a huge effect on their neshama. So what a person sees with his eyes, um, 
causes a very big effect on his neshama. So today we learned in, in seminary that, where do you learn that from in the Torah? How do you, where do you learn that from in the Torah? A person's eyes are the windows to your soul. Do you know that? Your eyes are the windows to your soul. So whatever goes into your eyes, goes into your soul. So if you see something you're not supposed to, it's sort of taped in your soul. Your soul sees it. And you can't get rid of it. What goes in, you can't get rid of the the desire the, in Kabbalah we learn that a human body is was also created like the world. It's created bara shamayim va'aretz. It's created like shamayim va'aretz. From your neck up is shamayim. From your shoulders down is earth. Is aretz. How do you know that? So shamayim takes in, takes in. Your eyes you see takes in. Your ears hear takes in. Your mouth. Your, your nose, you breathe in. Your mouth does both. Your mouth is the border. Your mouth is the bridge. Your mouth takes in, you eat. Also gives out words. So, till your mouth, everything, your ears, your eyes, your nose, everything is heaven, is Shemayim. Your mouth is the bridge between Shemayim and And then from your shoulders down, your body just sends out. It doesn't take anything in, but it sends out. You go to the bathroom, whatever it is, a shiatsa. It sends out. That's called Aretz, because Aretz Tache Desha. The earth gave out grass, gave out land, gave out growth. So from a person's shoulder is down. That's why when you shecht an animal, right, we shecht an animal, we cut him through the neck, the mouth, the air pipe and the food pipe, that when you separate Shemayim Aretz, then the, then the person dies. Then the, then the living being dies. If you separate Shemayim Aretz, the living, the, the living, that's what, the living being dies. So up, up, up on top of your head is your shamayim. Your shamayim, your eyes, whatever they see, they're taped in your brain and it stays there. You can push it to the back of your brain, but it's there. It's there. So you have to be very careful. That's why shmir shenayim is very, very, very important. But it actually doesn't only have a spiritual effect, girls. It has a, physical effect. So I asked my seminary girls today, how do you know that what your eyes see have a physical effect on you? Did the seminary and the seminary girls did not answer. But should they? No. 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 That wouldn't be fair to everyone who wasn't in my class today. So let's go to pa- let's go to Pasha's Vayetzeh. Yaakov Levinu made a deal with Lavon. And he told Lavan that I will take care of your sheep. Any sheep that are born with polka dots or stripes belong to me. Any sheep that are born normal belong to you. And Lavan thought that Yaakov fell off his rocker. He was like, sheep don't have stripes. Like, it's not a zebra, right? And it's not a jaguar and it's not a tiger. They don't have polka dots. You want to make a deal like that? You're going to work for me? And... And you get only to keep stripes and stripes and polka dots? Deal. But he was a fool, Lavan. Because Yaakov knew something that Lavan did not know. Yaakov knew that what you look at has an effect on your children. People don't know that. It's an effect on your children. So when a girl looks at something she shouldn't be looking at, and then later on she has children, it could actually have a spiritual, physical effect on that child. Now, how do we know this? What did he do? Yaakov, so, so sheep um, reproduce at the water, where they drink water. Because the whole day they're very hot, right? They're out there grazing. And then when they bring them into the water and they cool off, 
That's when they reproduce. So, uh, so Yaakov went ahead, and where the water was, he put up posts, sticks of stripes and and polka dots. So all the sheep saw when they were reproducing were stripes and polka dots. So all their children, not some, all their children were born with stripes and polka dots. And he was able to keep all the sign and became very rich. Isn't that crazy? The sheep looked at stripes and polka dots and they had kids that were striped and polka dotted? And the answer is no, it's not crazy. What a person sees with their eyes has an effect on their children. You, well, he beat the, he beat the trickers. I know because he them right because because he was a shepherd. Yaakov was a shepherd. Avram was a shepherd, so they knew they knew sheep. Yeah, 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 yeah. He pulled it. He pulled it on them. He pulled it on them. Yeah, he pulled it on them. So that's why a pregnant woman, a pregnant girl, a pregnant woman is not supposed to go to a. We don't let them go to a circus or to a zoo. They shouldn't look at monkeys and stuff like that because it'll affect the child. You're like, what is that? It has an effect. It's very serious. It has an effect. So imagine how it has an effect on you. It has an effect on your kid. You're pregnant. You shouldn't, they shouldn't look at a monkey. You shouldn't look at a monkey because it'll affect your child. Could you imagine how it has an effect on you? When you, see, when you see something you're not supposed to see. And you're going to say, but okay, when it comes to the bad, the bad part, you know the bad part, Rabbi Wallstein? to the bad part, I cover my eyes. But we see from here that's not enough. You have to turn around. There shouldn't be a bad part. You shouldn't be at a bad part. You shouldn't have to turn around. But you have to turn around. You can't even be facing something that you shouldn't see. It's a, it's a very fascinating satire um, because people would think that that's why that's why they went in backwards, but they, they also covered their eyes. Okay, so that's uh, that's very, very important. I also want to talk a minute about Talking about the eyes. Let's go back to Shemir Sinaim. I don't know why Shemir Sinaim is in, in tonight, but I guess it needs to be here for some reason. Maybe somebody was going to watch a movie. I don't know. I doubt it. Not in my group. It's for your friends that watch movies. You should tell them. All right. Let's go to Voracious to other Manchava. So, the first Avera, right? Um, you could you could um, eat from the tree. You're not going to die. Because Hashem knows that the day that you eat from the tree. By the way, I saw something very fascinating. How did the snake? It says the snake was very smart. Ki he was very shrewd, right? How did he become, how did he know from good to bad? He knew from bad to good because he was bad. So, how did he know how to be bad? How did the snake know how to be bad? The snake was the first bad guy. He was bad. He got Chava to do the Avera, right? So he was bad. How did he become bad? She says that he, when he heard, I just saw it this week, when he heard Hashem tell Adam, you can't eat from the tree, he only told it to Adam that human beings can't eat from the tree. The Nachash actually ate from the Etzadas. I saw it this week. Nachash ate from the Etzadas. When the Nachash ate from the Etzadas, so then he knew between good and bad. And then he got, he got, I never saw that before. The Nachash ate from the Etzadas because he didn't have a mitzvah not to eat from the Etzadas. 
So he ate from the Eitzah Das first. I'm sure people are going to call me about this, but it's in Eitzah Neflai Satayra, if they want to look it up. And it says that he ate from the Eitzah Das itself. What? No, but once he ate from it, he knew Tevara. Oh, because the das. Because the das of Tevara. So the Nochesh said, Ki lo king, ki imenu. How do you know this? Listen, it's, it's a beautiful pshat. I'll tell you why. Because Hashem never told Adam that if you eat from the tree, this is, you have to remember this because it's very interesting. Hashem never told Adam, if you eat from the tree, you'll know from good and bad. So how did the snake know that? The snake tells, tells Chava, Ki Elohim, Ki mimenu, that Hashem knows that the day that you can eat from the tree, the nifku nechem, your eyes are going to open up, the yisem kelokim, you're going to be like God, Yudea toivara, you're going to know good and bad. How do you know that? How did the snake know that? If you eat from the tree, you're going to know good and bad. Hashem never told that to Adam. Hashem told to Adam, there's two trees I don't want you to eat from in, in, the, in the Gan Eden. I don't want you to eat from the Eitz HaChayim. I don't want you to eat from the Eitz HaDas. The snake made a statement here. He made a statement to Chava. Hashem doesn't want you to eat from the tree because the day you eat from the tree, you're going to know t- good and bad. How do you know that? Hashem never told that to Adam. So when the snake heard Hashem speak to Adam, how did the snake know that when you eat from the tree, you'll know good from bad? Says the Eitz HaToyra, because he ate from the tree. And when he ate from the tree, he knew good and bad. So he told Chava, hey, I know something you don't know. If you eat from the tree, you could be like God. You know good and bad. That's how he knew he ate from the tree. Good thing to say on Shabbos table, because most people don't know this. Now, listen to what happens when a person becomes jealous. Nothing personal. I'm not saying nothing personal, but women have more jealousy than men. Men have bigger problems with Shmir Sainayim and other things. Every, every female, male, each one has their own thing. Women are very possessive and they also have kinna. Why do they have kinna? Because the first Avera that was done in the world was from jealousy. Why? Chava, Chava saw this tree. Chava was never interested in this tree. She saw this tree. She was created Erev Shabbos. The tree was right there. She saw the tree. What got her interested in the tree? She saw the tree. So the minute the Nochosh said, he was very smart. He was Arum. He knew how to get a woman. He knew how to get Chava. What he said to him is, Hashem knows that the, when you eat from the tree, then you're going to be like him. Hashem has something you don't have. Hashem knows good and bad. Chava, you don't know good and bad. So he made her jealous. Okay? He made her jealous. He said, Hashem has something. Until then, she wasn't interested in the tree. Whoa, one second. Hashem has something I don't have? And if I eat from the tree, I could get what Hashem has? So that was kinah. That's jealousy. And it's a fascinating passage because the next passage says... The woman saw that the fruit was good to eat. Can you see that fruit is good to eat? You have to taste it. If you look at a fruit, you know if it's bitter or not bitter or sweet or not sweet. You don't know anything about it. You have to taste it. That's not what it says here. She looked at it and said, wow, that's good to eat. And the answer is, 
that when you're jealous, it doesn't matter. If you have something I don't have, it must be good. But but you don't even you don't even drive. You don't even drive. What are you jealous of? I know, but when I get a license, I want your car. It's I have boys have this very much. We're very we're very we we when we have something, even if we don't want it anymore, we don't want anyone else to have it. I warn girls about that all the time. I talk to girls in my high school. I talk about this all the time because I have situations where there are boys who were not so from and girls that were not so religious and they they misbehave with each other and then. I have a situation that I that I dealt with a few years ago, and then um, he became very he from that as as some people say he flipped out, and he became very religious, and she also became very religious, and she was a machaneches and Eretz Yisrael, and she really turned around, and she really became a superstar, really special girl, and every shidduch that was read to her, just just she got nose, she kept getting nose. It would go like they would read it. And then it would take like a week, and then it would come back, no. And didn't understand what was going on. Because she was really a good girl. And I found out that the boy, that when they were misbehaving and they weren't so religious, so he got married. And I'm not going to say what town he's from, whatever it is. But when her name was mentioned, he would tell guys, are you kidding me? I messed her, we messed around. Forget about it. And he was just telling everyone how bad, how, what a bad girl she was when, before she did tshuva. And he wouldn't let her get married. He wouldn't let her get married because and, and, and he, he, she was his and now she's not his anymore. But no one else can have her. So I met him. I said, what are you doing? You're married. Leave her alone. Why are you doing this? No. Everybody has to know. She said, they have to know. I have to tell them the truth. I'm like, did anyone tell the truth about you? Did she go around telling all her friends, don't go out with this guy because we were whatever, we were messing around as, as, as teenagers? I said, she never said one bad word about you. Why, why are you doing that? It's because guys are possessive and I went crazy on him. He stopped. He stopped. I said, what are you doing? You're crazy. Tell the truth. Everyone will find out the truth, whatever it is. So, so it's just funny because like I'm a, I'm a, I used to play baseball in the... In the OBBL, there's a league, a baseball league, whatever it is. I'm a lefty. So I have a lefty baseball glove. There are not that many lefties in it. My son was also a lefty. And a few years ago, I wasn't playing ready for five years. A few years ago, he came up to me and says, you know, we have a game. Can I borrow your glove? On Sunday, we have a game. We can I borrow your glove? I'm like, you know, they might call me up. They might need me. <laughs> He's like, you haven't used your glove in five years. I know, I know but maybe I'll, I, might, I might need it. So, you know, like when you, when you get like that, you don't want... Yeah, so people don't realize that, that the person they think right now, they're teenagers, that they were partying with, whatever it is, that's the person that's going to that's gonna, gonna badmouth you. That's the person that's going to say, because I have to protect everyone, everybody has to know. You have to be very, you have to, the person has to realize that the reputation and, and the, the one thing that teenagers don't deal with is consequence. Most people don't deal with consequence. Every, anyone here that learns physics in Seventh grade, every action has a reaction. Whatever you do, Hashem created the world in a physical, spiritual, emotional, three worlds. It's physical, the physical world is very separate, the spiritual and emotional world is one. 
and he created this world in the physical world that if I drop a glass on the floor, it's going to break. If I take a crystal glass and I drop it on a marble floor, it's going to break. The floor has nothing against the glass. They don't hate each other. But if you drop glass on, a glass on the floor, it's going to break. If I take this water and I pour it over my head, my head's going to be wet. There's no, unless I'm a magician, my head's going to be wet, right? So, so he created a world that has reaction. You take a, 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 a flame and you light a piece of paper, the, flame, the, the paper's going to burn. That's how he created his world, physically, that every action has a reaction. And down to the smallest atom, you split an atom, right? You have an atom bomb. The energy, the energy that's in a teeny little atom in this world is crazy. You can, you can heat the whole world. An atom is crazy. You split an atom, right? Every action has a reaction. In the emotional world, right? Every action also has a reaction. You hurt somebody's feelings, right? They're going to be hurt. If you do a mitzvah, it's a tikkun. If you do an avera, it's destroying. It, it, it has reaction in your neshama. Everything you do has a reaction. Tshuva, everything you do has, has the, that's the way Hashem created the world. He created in that, in that, in that manner. So, that, in another word, we call the C word, consequence. If you stand in front of a car at 100 miles an hour, and you step in front of the car, you're going to get killed. Does the car hate you? The car doesn't even know you. But that's, that's what's going to happen. And, 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 a, and a, a mature person, as you get older, the word consequence becomes a much bigger C. Because as you get older, you realize... Ganeiden, how long you're going to live, your children, your grandchildren, every, everything, when you're older, everything has a consequence. When you're younger, it's Nike. Just do it. Right? That's Nike's line. Just do it. Don't think, that's to sell sneakers to young people. Don't think about what you're doing. Just do it. Don't even think about the consequence. But the way Hashem created the world, there's consequence in emotion, and there's consequence in spirituality, and there's consequence in physicality. You're going to slap someone it's going to hurt. It's the way Hashem created the world. So, what happened over here by Chava is that the minute the snake, because he ate from him, and he knew Ra, put into her head that God doesn't want you to eat from the tree because he doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't want you to be equal to him. She became very jealous. When she became very jealous, the whole tree changed. The same tree she was looking at before she was jealous, she wasn't interested in. Once she became jealous, the whole tree changed. So what happened? The Torah says, She saw already that it's good to eat. It became lustful. This tree that she had no connection to became lustful to her eyes. It became, how do you say chamud in English? Huh? Special, it's even more than special. Nechmad, he nechmad, what? In Ivrit, in Ivrit, like, he nechmad, like, like, it's even, it's more than cute. It's definitely more than cute, right? Okay, whatever. Oh, let's see what he says. Oh, we have art scroll, we have art scroll, we have art scroll. The woman perceived the tree was good for eating and that it was delight to the eyes and the tree was desirable as a means of wisdom. Nechmad is desirable. Okay. I guess in Israeli, Hamudah is like a little kid who's cute, but that's not what it means. Not what it means. Right? But so, so, 
Listen to what she looked. She wanted the tree to eat from the tree. Everyone misses this word. To get seichel. To get wisdom. She wanted to have that wisdom that God had between knowing good and bad. So she took from the fruit. And she ate from it. This is a Rashi that girls do not, women do not like when I learn this Rashi. And she gave to her husband to eat from the tree. There is some of Farsham that say she actually beat him with the eights till he ate from it. But okay, we're not going to go there. But Rashi says the following. Why, why did she give her husband to eat from the tree? Right? Right now she had the wisdom, he didn't. So she was way above him. She was his master. Great deal. Why didn't you just leave it like that? Anyone here know why? Jealous of who? She, now she's the master. She, okay, so. Oh, you know that Rashi? Ah. So Rashi says, Thomas she said, you think now that I ate from the tree, I'm going to die, you're going to live? No way. You're dying too. <laughs> so Rashi says, why? Why would you want him to die? Why would you want him to die? Because she was worried, that he's going to marry someone else. But there was no someone else but her. There was no other female in the world. What was she worried about? The answer is it doesn't have to make sense. <laughs> jealousy doesn't have to make sense. One day, kinna is jealousy, sinna is hatred. Kinna and sinna went for a walk. Hatred and jealous, jealousy and hatred went for a walk. And they met the king. And the king said, oh, kinna, sinna, hatred, uh, um, jealousy, hatred. I have a deal for you guys. What's the deal? Whatever you ask me for, the first guy that asks it, he gets it, and the other guy gets double. So each one said, I'm not asking first. You're gonna ask, I'm gonna ask first to get $100, and you're gonna get $200? No way. Right? So even though he's getting $100, he doesn't want it, because he doesn't want him to get $200. So the king said, listen, I'm giving you five minutes. If you don't come up with anything, deal's off. Okay? All of a sudden, kin of jealousy says, I got it, I know what I want. The king says, what do you want? He says, Knock out one of my eyes. You didn't hop. If you knock out one of my eyes, you're going to knock out both of his eyes. It's not what happens to me. When it comes to jealousy, it's not about me. It's about you. So she was worried he's going to marry someone else that wasn't even someone else. It doesn't make a difference. But what happens, and this is, I, I started writing a book, but then I got into my book on, on Hakar Satov, and now, I still have 92 pages left for dedication in Kivan of Aim. Whoever's interested, just call Ornava, 718-8-O-H-R-N-A-A-V, and speak to Pam and tell her you want to dedicate a page. I'm telling you, this is the biggest book. It's, 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 it's amazing. And you have, a, you have a chance to dedicate a page forever. It'll be in this book forever. So I think we have like 92 pages left. Um, just a little advertisement. So, so in, in this book that I was writing, that I started writing, was a book on spiritual DNA. That means that whatever you do comes out in your kids and your grandkids. Sometimes like DNA, it skips, it skips a generation, but it always will come out. 
what happened from this jealousy that she had? What happened to the next generation? Put your thinking caps on. Who were who their children? Why did Cain kill Hevel? Why did Esau try to kill Yaakov? Why did the brothers try to kill Yosef? Continue, continue, continue. Continue, continue, continue. Because the first Avera, the first Avera was based on jealousy. And jealousy, the Chavetz Chaim says, jealousy brings to speak Lashon. You don't speak Lashon Hara unless you're jealous of someone. No one ever spoke Lashon Hara on Martians. Let me tell you some bad stuff about some guys from Mars. Because there are no guys from Mars. Who cares? You speak Lashon Hara on someone that you're jealous of. If you're not jealous of someone, why would you say something bad about them? So all the all these midos, rust, these bad midos, they come from looking at looking at what the other person has. Not looking, not appreciating what you have, but looking at the other person's pocket, looking at what the other person has. You're not supposed to have what the other person has. Or you would be the other person. And a person has to get that emuna in their head that if I was supposed to look like her, then I would be her. Hashem doesn't make duplicates. He doesn't make duplicates. Every single person has their own fingerprints. Even twins have their own fingerprints. Every person is their own person, is their own individual. What makes us special is our individuality. I don't want to be like anyone else. I am not supposed to be like anyone else. I am not supposed to be like Moshe Rabbeinu. I'm supposed to be like Zechai Wallerstein. Moshe Rabbeinu is supposed to be like Moshe Rabbeinu. And there was one Moshe Rabbeinu. And there's one Zechai Wallerstein. And there's one Esther Friedman. And and you heard this good man, I'm just making up names, whatever. Right? And, and that's what you're supposed to be. Stop looking at the other person. Stop trying to be the other person. Because chas v'shalom, if that's what you want to be, then Hashem doesn't need you here. He doesn't make copies. He throws out the copies. There's no reason for copies. So every single person is an individual. If you're an individual, why are you looking at other people? There's no need to look at other people. Okay, so that was the whole, that was the whole thing of Bereshis. Now I want to go a little bit to Lech Lecha. A very fascinating medrash. The Medrash, the Medrash, is a Medrash Tanchuma. The Medrash Tanchuma talks about this week's parasha, is parasha Lech Lecha, which is also very interesting. You know the Lamed? A pen? Anyone have a pen? I have, I have, I have. See, it's good he brought me a piece of paper. Very, very interesting. Lech Lecha. So if you look at what I wrote here, right, this is Lamed Chaf, Lamed Chaf. So, so the Lamed goes up and the Chaf goes down. Lamed, if, if you're writing a line, you're writing a Lamed, right? So the, here's, here's your line, here's your Lamed. Lamed goes up. The Chaf goes underneath the line, the, right? So Lech Lecha is that when Hashem said, go for your, go, go, he's telling him to leave his, his nation, his, his land and his father's land and everything. Hashem was saying, there's going to be good times where the Lama goes up and there's going to be chut times. Chut times. When the chuf goes down. But it's all for your good. Because if you take the word lech backwards, it spells kol. Chuf lamet, kol. Kol, kol. No matter what, whether life is good or life is bad, it's all like Rashi says, It's all for your good. So Akash Baruch Hu told Avram Vinu that when I move you, when I make you go, you should know sometimes it's going to look like good, sometimes it's going to look like bad, but really, 
It's always for the good. Now, in this week's parsha, something really bad looked like. Something bad happened. I want to read it to you from the Medrash Tanchuma. Oh, someone's getting a phone call. That's my alarm clock. Okay. What happened bad? Anyone here know what happened bad? By he rubbed There was a hunger in the land. And Avramavino had to leave the land. And he went with his wife Sarah. Listen to this. Hashem wanted to test the tzaddik to, to see if he had good deeds in this world. He brought a hunger in the land. Where was the rub? Where was this hunger? It was in Eretz Yisrael. He said to Sarah, his wife. Actually, at that point, it wasn't Sarah. It was Sarai. Okay? There's a hunger. There was never such a hunger, such a bad hunger. Where should we go? Let's go to Mitzrayim. Because Mitzrayim did not have a hunger. They had food. So they went. When they reached the gates of Egypt, and they stood by the canal, he saw in the reflection of the river, he saw that, that she, you know, they wear that, what is that called? Kaftan? What do they wear? That covers your face in the Middle East? You only see your eyes? Oh, what is it? A burqa? A burqa? That's what it's called? Not the garment, the thing that's in front of your face. The, okay, so she had, that's what she wore. That's what she wore, so you could only see her eyes. Right? But now she bent down to drink from the water from the, from the canal, and he saw that her face was like, like the sun. Now, you're going to ask me a question, and, and girls always ask me this question. Like, what do you mean? He never knew what she looked like? Like Rabbi Wallerstein. Come on. He never looked at his wife? What kind of relationship is this? Right? So Rashi says, no, he knew what she looked like. But when you travel through the desert, no makeup, hot and sweaty, you lose your beauty. When she bent down to drink from the water, he saw her face was just as beautiful as when she was home. And he said that for her, for a woman to retain such beauty, going, walking, going, going through such a desert, that's when he realized that she's very, very, very beautiful. All women, no, no insult to anyone in this room. Okay, I'm not, right, Wallace reading from the Medjustan Chomer. All the women in the world, when you compare them to Sarah, is like a monkey compared to a human being. Okay? Nothing personal. Oh my law. So he said to her, I see you're very beautiful. Oh my law. He said, we got a problem. Sarah, we have a problem. My wife, the triumph, Stufen Biznus. In Mitzrayim, they're deep into immorality. So, what am I going to do? They're going to take you away from me. And they're going to do all kinds of bad stuff. I'm going to put you in a box. You put her in a chest, a, a, a box, a chest. But 
and I'm going to lock you in this chest. I'm worried about me. Not only you, but me. When they're going to see you, right, they're going to kill me and take you to Paro. They didn't care. Kill the husband, grab the wife. So he comes to the border. She's locked in a box. Okay? So the guards at the border, Omalahem, what do you got in the box, man? He says, Sa'irim. Um, you have, you have, um, he says, I have barley. Now, the way it works is when you come into the country, you have to pay taxes on what you're bringing in. So, so'irim, barley is much cheaper than wheat. So he said, I have, I have barley. Amalal, they said, no. Um, you have wheat. You're, you're lying. You have more expensive wheat. He said, okay. He just wanted to get in there. He said, okay, here. Here's taxes. I'm paying for wheat. I'm alone now. Um, they said we don't think you have we don't think you have wheat. We think you have pilpilim, peppers. It's more expensive. He said, okay, okay. Here, here. Here's the taxes for the peppers. I'm alone. No, we don't think you have peppers. They're, they're just trying to rip them off. We think you have gold coins. Kimish So he saw he wasn't getting anywhere. They pushed him away. And they opened up the box. And they saw this woman with this face of light. And they realized this is not a regular woman. They ran to Paro and they said, Wow, you got to check out. There's a woman that just came across the border. She's, she's, she's gorgeous. When Avram saw this, he realized he's dead. She's kidnapped. They're in big trouble. He began to cry and daven to Hashem. I, I don't understand. Listen to this. This is unbelievable. Master of the world, this is the trust I placed in you? I trusted you? Please have pity. And don't put up my hope to shame. I believe in you, Hashem. I davened in you. I believe in you. I told the whole world about you. And now I'm going to die at the hands of these Mitzrayim? And Sarah also cried out to Hashem. And she said, I didn't know nothing. Because you told my husband to go. I listened to you. And now I'm going to get separated my mother, from my father, from my husband, Yahweh Russia Zebi Shalobi, this Russia Paro is gonna go and abuse me? Please, in your name, do it for me, because I believe in you. She was in Avia. Hashem answered back to Sarah, by your life, no one's gonna to touch you, and no one is going to touch your husband. And I will teach them a lesson for what they did. Hashem gave him terrible plagues. What does this mean that he gave, the Pesach says in Mishle, that he gave Paro terrible punishments by the word of Sarai? Listen, it's a very cute, it's a very interesting medrash. But Shah, at that moment, Yorad Malachman a angel, when Sarah Davin, you know who Sarah Yimena was, when she davened to Hashem, came down an angel from Shemayim, Visharbit Biyodo. And he had a scepter, a stick in his hand. 
Ba'al Paro lishlei from Allah. Paro tried to take off her shoe. Tried to take off Sari Menu's shoe. Ha'yamakeu biyadai. So the Malach hit him with the stick. Ba'al liga b'vgadeha. He wanted to touch her clothing. Ha'yamakeu. He whacked him. Ha'yamimlech ha'malach l'shara kol maka o maka. And... And when any time Sarah said, Al Sarai, she said, hit him, he hit him. He really beat him up. If Sarah said, whack him, he hit him. Stop hitting him, he stopped hitting him. Okay. And they all got punished. But there's something, there's something I want to tell you that, that uh, uh, a medrash that very important for all of us will end with this. Sorry, Meno didn't understand why Hashem did this to her. Like, you, 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 my husband is the only guy in the whole world that's walking around talking about you, God. Nobody believes in you. You tell him to leave. Now, why would you put me? I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Isha, a, a Jew, good Jewish lady. I, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a Tznua. Why would you put me with this low life? Well, we have to understand that no matter, like Lech Lecha, that no matter whether you're going up in the Lama or down with the Chav, whatever Hashem does is for your good. Why? What happened? Many, many years later, when Yosef HaTzadik, right, got out of prison, and Paro wanted, him, wanted to make him second to the king, you had to have, you, so the law in Egypt was that you, had to, you could not be a slave. You had to be royal blood. To be a king in Mitzrayim, you had to have royal blood. So when he took Yosef and he said, I want to make him second to the king, Potiphar, who was very angry about Potiphar, his wife, said to the king, Potiphar was the king's tsar, said, you can't make him into a, he's, he's a slave. He has no royal blood, he's a slave. Yosef said, why don't you look at the picture in your bedroom, the medrash says. This paro was the first paro ever, called paro. Sarah was so beautiful that he made them paint in the bedroom a painting of her. And she was made for six months till he couldn't handle it anymore. Sarah Imenu was the queen, was the queen of Egypt. And Avraham became second to the king because of who they were. Now, Yosef said, look at my face and look at the face of my great-great-grandmother. And you'll see that they're exactly the same. My great-great-grandmother was Sarah. Sarah was written in the Egyptian history to have been married to Paro, which made him royal blood. And because he was royal blood, he was able to become second to the king, able to save the world, able to save Yaakov Avinu, and the whole story happened. So the only reason that Sari Imenu ended up in this low place with Paro is that she had to become the queen of Egypt, because by becoming the queen of Egypt, she was able to save Yosef, who was able to save the world. Lech Lecha. Everything... In life, whether it's a lamed or a chaf, kol kol is all for the good. Thank you for coming and give me the ability to give a share. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.